podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Hello and welcome to the Villa Views Transfer Talk, the first one of the summer. Tom Julian joined by Dan Bardell as ever. Dan, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since uh, since the tumultuous time of, of Villa staying up, the euphoria. Uh, how are you doing? All right, good. I mean, it's good to be doing a transfer talk show in the Premier League. It wouldn't be very enjoyable talking about scraping the barrel for championship signings. I'd probably still be trying to justify why we should sign Ryan Wood. So I'm happy to be talking about Premier League signings. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rob Henry, straight off the bat, Dan and Tom have been seen at the Belfry. Uh, <laughs> more, more ITK spots at the Belfry than you can uh, shake a golf club at. Uh, I see uh, Mark Jarobi's welcoming us in. Mark Jarobi. I saw your previous comments as well. I've been I've been seeing you giving a stick for not being on time. Uh, somebody else commented that trains run more uh, uh, better on time than, than we do. So apologies for the slight delay. You know, uh, uh, I don't know. We're six minutes late. It's not the worst thing in the world, is it? And plus, it wasn't our fault. We were ready. I was on at twenty past eight tonight as well. That's so true. that's very true. It's all, it's all the fault of the. <laughs> Uh, who's uh, making obscene gestures behind the scenes. Um, all right, so this is Transfer Talk. We're not entirely sure how this is going to work <laughs> as we go forward, are we? Let's be, let's be honest. Hopefully, it'll work better when Villa actually signs and players then. Yeah, we were hoping, weren't we, when we planned this last week, that maybe a player might come in and we'd be able to talk about someone specifically having known that they were going to be wearing an Aston Villa shirt next season. But it is what it is. The room, The rumours flying around and stuff on social media i mean obviously i've been wronged by itk stuff on, on on twitter before and i've got things wrong myself there's so much rubbish on there like i know a little bit about what, what's going on and there is gen- genuinely so much rubbish on on social media i think generally if people know something they probably can't come on social media and talk about it i, I always think so you got to take a lot of what you say with a pinch of salt but i think villa obviously will be active we need maybe five players i think and i think that's probably around what we'll get i think we'll have a similar outlay to what we had last summer as well but obviously it's spread it a bit nicer on five players and it would be on an 11 12 like we had this time last year so i think it's gonna be an interesting summer i think it's going to be a good summer for us and hopefully a chance for us to consolidate we can i want us to do more than stay up but hopefully we can stay up again and get ourselves established in the premier league again yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about some of the some of the targets and and maybe some of the departures as well from Villa Park. But I guess first of all, Dan, it makes sense to talk about the two two people that we can actually actually know that are going to be in the building for the for the next season. Um, so Villa have appointed the FC Copenhagen technical director Johan Langer as as Villa's new sporting director, obviously replacing um, uh, Patach uh, in that role. I mean, to, to be honest, how much do you know about him and and are you excited by his appointment? 
Uh, I don't know. I know very little. And to be honest, I had to do a podcast with Greg for The Athletic last week, and I literally didn't know anything about him. And luckily, Greg had done a piece on him, which enabled me to read up on him a little bit. I think he can't, he's a younger guy, isn't he? He's someone who's coming in who's, who's not established. He's, he's been a, an assistant manager at Wolves, I yeah. think. He's, he's been a coach in his career, so he's not gone the usual route into that kind of job, I would say. I think he's young and ambitious, and I think he's done well in Copenhagen. If you watch them the other night against Man U, they really gave them a good game. There were some really good players on show, and they've made a massive profit on some of the players that they've brought in over the last few years. But his remit at Villa is going to be very different to what it is at Copenhagen. At Copenhagen, you're bringing in players to to make money on them, basically make make big profits on them. At Villa, you you need to be bringing in people that are that are going to be first team ready, and you're not necessarily looking to sell them. You're looking to build a good Premier League side, which is which is what Villa are looking to do. So, we've made a lot of appointments behind the scenes, haven't we? If you look at the stuff we've done with the youth team as well, I'd expect Langer to be fully involved with what's going on with the youth recruitment as well. You'd imagine he might pick up some some good Scandinavian prospects. He'd know what's going on in that market, which is maybe not what other other sporting directors will know from other teams so it could be a real coup for Villa but you read these things and like we read about Suso when he came in and it all looks very nice on paper but the proof ultimately is is in the pudding isn't it I, I do feel a little sorry for Suso when I look back I think I've perhaps been a little bit harsh on him over the over the last six months or so because it was a difficult task getting so many players in with that budget but the club ultimately must think that he failed because if he wouldn't be. He'd still be here if he hadn't failed, wouldn't he? Really? I know he kind of left on his own accord, but I kind of feel like that was always going to be said. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure left on his own accord is quite right. There was there was quite widely reported uh, fallings out between him and Perslow, and I think when you're going against somebody who's in the owners' uh, good books, really, um, like Christian Perslow is right now, you know, he's done the job that that the owners brought him in to do. Then that was always going to be a losing battle, and and obviously. There are additional things Suso said about how the league should be cancelled and all that kind of stuff. So, obviously, we don't know. We're not in the building day to day and we're not in those high flying meetings. But one day, one day, you've got to think that that those those factors also um, uh, added added to the pressure on him. And um, he ended up leaving, and 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 now we've got Langer in. And yeah, I, I, to to go back to what you said, when when Manchester United played Copenhagen last week in the in the Europa League, there was a lot of a lot of Villa fans uh, highlighting the goalkeeper in particular. But it was like, to be fair, he had a, he had a worlder, absolute worlder. Talking to people that know a lot more about it than I do, apparently that's not uncommon. Um, yeah. He played brilliantly against Celtic, I think, as well, and and a couple of other games. You always think, though, why why hasn't this keeper been snapped up? He, he's not the youngest. He's not like it's a, a uh-huh. 19-year-old prospect. So, uh, anyway, the, we will see if there are any any Scandinavians coming in. I wouldn't mind our own uh, Erling Haaland coming at some point. That would be nice. Yeah, I'd be surprised if we were picking up someone from Copenhagen to come into the first team. I think if it was going to be anything, it would be people from, from their academy set up if it, if it was going to be anything at all but the keeper was like Nealand against Leicester but on absolute acid like I've, I've never seen a goalkeeping performance like it it was, it was, it was unreal but I think we will we, it sounds like we are going to go in for a goalkeeper but I, again I don't think it will be the Copenhagen goalkeeper yeah yeah there are lots of comments coming in right now about the players that we're going to come on and talk to in a uh, talk about rather I wish we were talking to them uh, in a little bit but let's move on to the second permanent appointment and Ginge Ryle has already mentioned the name Craig Shakespeare is a fantastic appointment a fresh face with fresh ideas so Dan 
Craig Shakespeare, he joins the coaching staff as an assistant manager, um, knows, knows Dean Smith for, for, for a long time, um, obviously left Watford uh, quite unceremoniously just before the end of the season and uh, Watford's loss is, is Villa's gain. If I remember correctly, we did call this towards the end of the season and that was a kind of appointment that, that might happen. He obviously knows Dean Smith very well. Dean Smith's probably very pleased to get him. And I think we needed something else. I think it wasn't quite working the combination. I think having someone like him who's been around the block will really help. I mean, he was briefly with England, wasn't he? He's been Leicester's manager. So he's been he's been around the block. He actually let my best mate go at 18, 19 from, uh, from West Brom as well. He was absolutely devastated with the, with the appointment, but he's been around. He's, it sounds like he's a, he's a, he's a really good coach. I don't, sometimes with Villa you kind of get the impression behind the scenes we're a little bit nice whereas I don't get that vibe with Shakespeare I no, think no. he's one, one who's not not to be messed with which I think you need a li- little bit of that so you've got all the differing personalities knocking around the, the coaching team now I did think John Terry might end up leaving when Shakespeare came in but I understand that, that that's not going to be the case and that unless some managerial position comes up John Terry will be there next season so it's interesting but I, I think we definitely needed something else another voice yeah, Mark A.V. says Shakespeare is a massively underrated signing. Doing a Fulham says just joined. Did I miss the cap memo? Uh, stick one on. You know, they're, they're comfortable and uh, and they look good. So, yeah. you know. It wasn't, wasn't planned that, was it? It wasn't planned. I was uh, I thought about taking taking mine off when I joined and saw you already had one. But I was like, no, I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Um, I, I did say what was underneath there and it was a wise move to play the cap one. <laughs> Uh, back to back to Craig Shakespeare and the I, I totally agree with you that I think he's um he's a bit more feisty, a bit more of the, the bad cop. I always found that interesting with the Pearson Shakespeare dynamic because they both struck me as bad yeah. cop. Bad cop, uh, bad cop. But I, I, I remember hearing uh a few it must have been a couple of years ago now, the first, one of the first um Peter Crouch podcasts, they talked about having seen um Nigel Pearson's C V. Apparently loves loves doing a bit of art and uh, like a bit of sculpture making, all this kind of stuff. So maybe I've got it wrong on Pearson. Maybe he's not the mad dog that I thought he might be. I mean, some of his press conferences have been a bit lively over the years, haven't they? With the uh, the old the old ostrich press conference was was, yeah. was an interesting one. But Shakespeare was part of one of the the biggest things that's ever happened in Premier League history in Leicester winning winning the league. And if you talk to any of their players, I'm sure they'll absolutely rave about him. So. I think we needed it, and I think ultimately getting someone in who's got that experience has, has actually managed at a high level and has coached at a high level, I think that's a big thing for us because it did feel like we were missing that, a bit of Premier League experience within the coaching set of last season. I love I love all the coaches that are on board, but there wasn't much Premier League experience in there, so it kind of feels like that might be one of the reasons that we brought him in. Lawrence Gibson says, no more distressing sight than aged, aged guys in baseball caps. Wow. I, I mean... Aged seems harsh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, each to their own. Each I am 35 next month. I didn't know there was a, a cut-off for hats, though. I would say I thought a cap was quite a, a normal thing for people to wear. I don't know. If we'd have both come on here in flat caps or something, I, could, I can say that there might have been a few questions asked, but a cap's a, a normal thing to wear, isn't it? I think once you once you go over 35, you'll have to wear a flat cap. Yeah, it's not, I, I, that, even saying that out loud is scary. I don't, I don't really like it. No. Um, back to Shakespeare again for, for the last time. Um, okay. A few, few people saying he's a he's a Villa fan. I'd read that he was a Baggies fan. Uh, do we do we have any indication of your mate that maybe got released? Do we know if he's a Villa fan or not? 
I mean, I checked our subscriber list and he's not subscribed to the Villa View, but I think he is, he is a Villa fan. There was an interview with uh, when he was at Watford quite recently where he talked about being a Villa fan. So he, he is a Villa fan, yes. Right. OK, well, good news then. More Villa fans in the building. And do you think you mentioned John Terry not moving on unless he unless he gets one of the vacant managerial positions? How does this work then? Do we just have three assistant head coaches now? Is that is that how this is working? I think I think because of the nature of the head coach role and being a head coach, I, I feel like that's quite a, a normal thing. I've, I've, I've seen it elsewhere where it does look unusual on paper, but actually if you look around, it, it's happened more often than not. It might have even happened when Smith was head coach at Brentford of having the three assistants underneath him. So I think as times change, Villa are obviously moving with the times a little bit, which isn't something that we've we've always managed to do. I mean, the website's stuck in 2002 still, so Villa haven't always moved moved with the times. So it's, it's good to see us having like this fresh modern day approach. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and I mean, uh, let's let's get to it. The one the one player that we know has definitely left. Dan is is your man, um, and mm-hmm. and he got an outpouring of of support from Villa fans. Uh, in the last couple of days, James Chester's joined Stoke permanently. Um, we kind of knew it was coming, but yeah. uh, no, no less sad to see him to see him walk out the door one final time. Yeah, it's one of them ones where you obviously knew knew it was coming. You thought after he'd been on loan at Stoke, he'd probably end up moving there on a free. Although I don't think the Stoke fans were massively impressed with him whilst he was there. When I was scrolling through social media towards the back back end of the season, but I'm glad to see him get a move. I'm glad to see overall that he's recovered from his injury and he's capable of playing football at a high level still because that would have been a real worry when he had all those problems after Steve Bruce hung him out to dry. So that's the the main thing is that I'm glad he's got a good move and that he can go and play football still. But I think in the the modern day that there's not been many more influential players than 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 James Chester come in at Villa because even that window when we signed him, not many of the signings actually worked out, but he was one that definitely worked out. For three three years, he was very very consistent. The season he played next to John Terry, he he was still to me our standout centre back, James Chester. I thought he was absolutely brilliant, and he just kind of changed the culture a bit. You can see that every player that was at, at Villa that's played with him absolutely adores him. They're sad to see him go, and that that'll be rare when when someone leaves that everyone lets out that same emotion. The fans as well. I've not seen many much negativity towards him over the years, and you just wish that things had been a little bit different and that. Steve Bruce had decided he needed more than more than two centre backs at the club, and maybe we wouldn't have got to this, and he'd be capable of playing for us in the Premier League. Because I'd love to see that, because I think I think he's absolutely brilliant for us. He's a he's a, I like it when you have good people at the club. James James Chester was a good person, but he was also a good player as well. So when you get that that combination, it's it's a rare thing. And I'm sorry to see him go, and obviously one of my rabbits is sorry to see him go as well because he's going to have to change his name now. Absolutely, that's a blow, isn't it? Stay, stay sharp. Says thanks, Chesy. Absolutely brilliant for us. A uh, few people saying, um, uh, kind of again, thanking Chester. I mean, he might be watching. He's probably not, but I wouldn't have know. thought so. So um, yeah, it's 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 a real shame that he wasn't fit enough to to play in the Premier League and and be a part of that team. Um, and I think he could have made a real difference. I'm sure he did around the around the changing room when he was here, um, but. Yeah, injuries have been unkind to him, and and like you said before, and we've said many a time, you know, he put his body on the line for for Villa, played through through some injuries, and and ultimately that's that's kind of cost him his this Premier League opportunity, really. Yeah, the club in general over the last decade, I said this on social media, Villa have had some real selfish, nasty people 
the, the club over the last 10 years, in my opinion, that put themselves first and care about what happens to them, not what happens to Aston Villa Football Club. James Chester, the evidence is there that he cared about Aston Villa Football Club and he put his career on on the line. I, I still think there might, there might have been a place for him last season. I was a bit surprised that we never saw him come back into the team, especially when we were playing three at the back. I really thought there was still space for him. But... I don't see them in training every day. I respect Dean Smith's opinion. Dean Smith made that decision. I'm just really sorry to see him going. Sorry that he didn't get a shot at the Premier League for us because the place was on the floor when he when he arrived. And as I say, he was one of the ones that helped pick it back up again. And I think he deserved to play Premier League football with Aston Villa. So it's sad that that never happened, but he leaves us behind with, with some great memories because he was a top defender for us. Yeah, absolutely. You are watching the Villa View transfer talk. I uh, just seen a message from Aston Radford. If if you want to get a message to us, Aston, you know how to do it. You can leave a little comment, however you're watching, whether you're watching on YouTube or uh, on Twitter. I don't know if this is on Facebook. I think it is as well. Um, you can you can leave us a message on any platform. Producer Adam is on Facebook. Yeah, he's nodding ferociously. Um, so yeah, leave us a leave us a comment, a question, and we'll we'll get to as many as possible. They do fly through pretty quickly, so you have to be nippy. Uh, all right, let's talk about some of the speculation then that we've seen over the last kind of days and weeks. Um, and one one man that, that's not going away, he's a he's a constant uh, thought in Villa fans' heads is Ollie Watkins, Dan, twenty uh, four year old from Brentford. Obviously, Brentford lost to Fulham in the playoff final, and now. Um, Villa and, and several other teams are sniffing around some of their top players. Ollie Watkins would be a good option for you. Yeah, I really like him. I think he's a he's a Premier League player in, in waiting. I think he could come in and make a real difference. It was a bit annoying to find out that we could have got him last summer for ten million, but we, we didn't do it because I think someone who could play wide and up front was what we were we were missing in the squad last season. And I think he would have made a difference last season. Perhaps would have enabled us to get ourselves higher up the league, but. He's a good player. I mean, I think we've got the the imagery here that I'm struggling to read myself, but there's cleverer people than me that will be able to, to work it out. His record last season in the Championship was very, very similar to Tammy Abraham's record for us in our last season in the Championship. And I've seen a few people kind of like turn their nose up at him and say, well, we, we need to be aiming higher than that. But he's a very, very good player. He's, he's very, very physically uses his body well. He's, he's an athlete. He gets around the pitch very well. And he's a good finisher. He's good in the air. I think he ticks... A lot of boxes of things that we didn't have last season. Pace being the biggest one because there was a distinct lack of pace at Aston Villa Football Club last season. So he'd come in and eradicate those things. Being honest, I thought it would be done by now, but it's difficult when players are on holiday and stuff. And these last two weeks, as we've seen with Jack, players are, players are all away, aren't they? They're on their holiday, so probably not much getting done. There's, there's not like a barrage of deals going through in general in the football world at the moment. It'll real start, really start to gather pace now. So... I would expect him to come in next week. I think he'll want to he'll want to work with Dean Smith again. I think, I think out of all our transfers, that sounds like it's it's the closest from what I'm hearing and, and what you obviously read in places as well. I think he'll be a really good signing. Yes, we'll probably have to overpay a bit, but the mar- the market's a bit of a joke anyway. For a forward player, even someone who's only played in the Championship, the going rate is around 20 million. So if we have to pay 25 million to to get him, I think we spent 25 million on players that were more risky than him last summer. So I'd, he's one for me that I'd, I'd definitely be looking at. One I'd be pleased to see arrive at the club. Yeah, Peter Graham says, "Is it a risk going for for Championship players?" I mean, to me, and and you can have your say as well, Dan. Going for for Championship players, going for any player is a risk. You don't know yeah. if you're going to pick somebody up from um, from Germany or France or Italy or whatever. You don't know how they're going to adapt to the Prem. If you pick up somebody that's come from the Prem. 
there's a pretty good reason probably that they're leaving their previous club. It's not like yeah. they set the world on fire. If they're coming from the championship, they might be a young player and they might take to it naturally or they might really struggle you look at like someone i don't know someone like john mcginn stepping up i would say stepping up from hibs into the championship i would say that's still a step up yeah, yeah i agree with you and, and you just don't know how it's going to work sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't i guess mcginn was 2.75 million though wasn't it i think so yeah it's risk favorable risk favor reward that's it's a lot of money but it's very minimal money in football terms so i, I get why there's trepidation around spending 25 million on someone from the championship but if you look at them stats they've just disappeared as i've said that <laughs> if, you, if you do look at, if you do look at the stats we'd have snapped your hand off to get tammy and tammy had never fired in the premier league until until last season which with chelsea he hadn't had a great record in the premier league they're not dissimilar so i i think it's worth a punt and i think if he ended up going elsewhere He's one of them signings that would do well, and you'd say, "Oh, well, why, why, do, why don't we make a move for, for a player like that? Why weren't we in for him?" I think there's been little murmurs about Leicester, which is a little bit concerning. I think we lost out last summer with James Justin because I think we were a bit slow off the mark. I think he was someone that we were interested in, and he ended up going to Leicester. But I think the Dean Smith factor with Watkins, there'll be teams in for him. I imagine Leeds teams like that would be in for him. But I think the Dean Smith factor will probably get this one over the line for us. Yeah, Watkins scored 26 goals. Last year, scored 45 in 132 in the championship. Now, um, he's obviously played wide, out wide as well. Uh, before yeah. before uh, Neil Mal- Malpay left, he was he was kind of utilised more as a as an attacking winger. Um, so so he has versatility to his game as well. Uh, I've got a couple of notes here from Thomas Frank, the Brentford coach. Um, he's a remarkable player and person. He's so dedicated to improving every single day. So he's a coach's dream because, of course, we want to focus on the little details. He's one of the hardest, if not the hardest working offensive player in the league. And he's also the top goal scorer. That's not a bad combination. That's what you want to hear, isn't it? That kind of endorsement. Um, and, and and the other thing is he'll know Dean Smith. You know, they they overlapped by, what, a year or so? Um, so yeah. In, in 2017. So, They'll, they'll be familiar with each other and that may just be enough to to get something done. Dean Smith definitely wanted him last summer, so it, it's not gone away. He's obviously still in his thoughts. I think the other thing is that the other complaint I've seen is that people are just assuming that he's coming in as the main striker. I'd be very, very surprised if that was the case. In my opinion, we needed a, a wide player who could also play up front. And a, and a goal scorer, I see that Watkins would be that first option. I don't think he'd be getting bought in as the, as the main goal scorer. But it does show you, like, 25 million, it probably doesn't get you that main goal scorer nowadays. The the market's just absolutely crazy. But he's someone I want I want us to get ticked off as soon as possible now. Daryl Keeney says, music to our ears, that. I presume that's the um, the waxing lyrical from, from Thomas Frank there. Um, and, yeah, he's a... An exciting young prospect. Will he, will he sign, first of all? Who knows? Will he work out? It's football. You know, you can't guarantee anything, but, um, but certainly an exciting young player. Um, let's talk about them. one of his teammates who we were linked with earlier on in the transfer window, uh, Saeed Benrahma, uh, also 24, and, uh, and, and fills that kind of winger spot that we've talked about there. Chelsea are supposedly interested in him as well. I think Leicester, West Ham, Arsenal, all have been linked. Ben Rama, where do you see that one going down? Any hope for Villa to to get that one over the line? I can only go by what people people have said, and it sounds like Watkins is the priority over him now. We definitely had an interest in him at, at multiple points over the last year, but he he feels to me he feels more risky 
than uh, than than Watkins, and I think he'd probably maybe cost a little bit more or cost around the same amount. I'm not sure. I think he's a very good player from what I've seen on him. He's got excellent fees. Again, his turn of pace when he picks up the ball, he just drives straight away. He doesn't even have to think about it. He's just gone, and that's very difficult for defenders to deal with. I'd be a little bit surprised if we did get both. I kind of feel like the main interest is in Watkins. It kind of leads me to think that we won't get Ben Rama. It does feel like it's, it's gone a little bit quiet around him now. The Chelsea links, that was in, in January, wasn't it, when he was more linked with him? They're now signing players in a completely different stratos- stratosphere, aren't they? They've, they've bought in Werner. They've got Zayek from Ajax, and it looks like they're looking at uh, Havertz read, as well from Le- from Leverkusen. So they're not going to get him in. I read recently, like in the, in the last couple of days, that, that it's hotting up again, whatever that means. I mean, obviously, no. they need to replace William, and maybe he's a squad player that fits in with them. The one concern I have with with Ben Rama, really, Dan, I was speaking to a, a Brentford fan because again, I can't profess to watch Ben Rama every week. Uh, and and the, the Brentford fan I was speaking to says that when he's good, he's great, but when he's not good, he he's anonymous, and and that can be very frustrating as a fan, and I guess as a teammate as well. Um, obviously, wingers have that kind of tendency. A little bit, but we don't. We don't need another one of those. No, no like that, that is that is wingers. If you think about the wingers that Villa even had in the Championship, like I, I liked Albert Adoma, but one week he'd be brilliant, then the next week he'd be absolute rubbish. Green was a bit like that as well. He was very up and down. So it is a, it is it certainly seems to be a wingers thing at, at Aston Villa. But obviously, we had issues with El Ghazi and Trezeguet at various points last season. I just feel like that one's not going to happen. For, for me, I, I just don't think they'll get Watkins and him, and I think I think they want Watkins, so I, I just don't see Ben Rama happening. Mark Jarobi says between Ben Rama and Watkins, uh, Ben Rama would definitely be the bigger risk. Um, second account, forget Watkins, get Ben Rama and Janssen. Um, uh, the centre-back. Yeah, Maybe I'm just I'm just reading them. I'm reading them. I don't, as like, I don't, don't like him. I don't like him. Uh, fair enough. Uh, okay, so Ben Rama is is the other one, and then kind of coming out of the last 24 hours or so, uh, Milo Ratzica from Werder Bremen. Dan, another another 24 year old. Uh, that seems to be our main criteria at the moment. Just searching 24 year olds. Um, uh, Werder Bremen, uh, nifty little winger. Uh, He's now been linked with us, also linked with uh, RB Leipzig as well. Um, what do you make of what do you make of these links? A couple of facts for you there. What do, what do you think about the, the Ratzika? I mean, I must be the stupidest person in the world because I cannot. That mean that graph means absolutely nothing to me. I can't. I can't work out anything. He's had more shots, more shots on target this season than Grealish, Trezeguet, or John McGinn. Uh, okay. Shots off target. He's second. Uh, assists he's roughly the same basically he's a creative player Dan yeah he likes to drift if drift off the wing off the left wing he's got a lethal right foot he's one of those that will drift in and and take a shot and and curl it into the top corner ideally Uh, and could be could be a very creative player um somebody that's that's developed a lot I think he was Werder Bremen's player of the year last year um and uh, Werder Bremen only just avoided relegation this season, but he still managed to uh, nick eight goals and five assists. So you know, I mean, he's used to he's used to the struggle in in a league. Um, so uh, yeah, might might fit in well. But again, he's one of these creative players that that could be um, could be perfect for our setup. I can't profess to having 
seen very much of him. I don't know much about him. I've watched a few clips today. He scored a very nice goal against Bayern last. I think it was last season. It was either last season or the season before. Lovely, lovely goal. For me, it's, uh, the Leipzig move makes more sense. He'd get to test himself at Champions League level, which I believe is what he wants to do. So I think a move staying in Germany, a league he already knows, and going to Leipzig, that kind of makes a little bit more sense. The stuff that's come out in the last few days smacks to me of an agent trying to put the pressure on a little bit because I know I know there's been some problems with around terms with with Leipzig and, Bre- and Bremen. So it, it kind of feels a bit like the agent's just throwing Villa and Wolves in the mix to try, try and move things along. If Jack was going... I kind of feel like he'd be the kind of signing that, that that we would make, but with Jack still here at the moment, I'm just I'm not sure there's space for both of them in the, in the side. So that's one again that I'd be I'd be surprised to see go through. We've not exactly raided the Bundesliga in my time as a Villa fan. I, in fact, other than Hitzelsberg, I can't think of anyone that's come in from the German league off the top of my head. It's not somewhere that, we, that we've ever really shopped. It's a good, it's a very very good league. I like the Bundesliga. When I do watch it, I really enjoy it. But I'm not convinced. On that one, if, if I'm being honest, there's been some stuff posted that came off a forum tonight. The Bremen fan saying that he is going to Villa, but I wouldn't trust my nose coming off a, off a forum, to be honest. No, I mean, the, the whole thing's come from from a, a newspaper in Kosovo, hasn't it? Obviously, yeah, uh, that, that sounds legit, just, to be fair. Yeah, he's a he's a Kosovan um, and, and it could easily be the agent, like you say, kind of planting that and, and seeing where it spreads. Um, so we will keep an eye on that one. Um, over over the next couple of days, do you reckon, Dan, that we'll see a signing before the end of this working week, or, or do you think it's going to be Monday, Tuesday now before we get something? I'd say it's mid midway through next week is when you probably see a first signing. I don't think there's anything absolutely imminent at the at the moment. Stuff starts to come out, doesn't it? When when things are near, you generally tend to to start finding out about things when things are close and. From what, from what I've heard and what, what's been reported to me, it doesn't feel like anything's particularly close at the moment. We obviously it's it's pretty obvious that we want Watkins because that that's been everywhere and that move completely makes sense. But he's still on holiday at the moment from from what I've seen what I've seen elsewhere. So I wouldn't expect movement till the middle of next week. Now I'd still if I had to put money on it, I'd say Watkins will be the first in. A lot of people in the comments, Dan, talking about Louis Barry once again, and obviously a very very young uh, man still still learning his trade how much uh, do you expect to see him playing next year and and if if anything do these do these kind of moves these Watkins uh, Ben Rama links do they do they affect the plans for Barry or do you think he's still a little bit away from from making the first team he's very very young isn't he yeah very young He's someone you might see around the bench if he started presumably he doesn't get a low move he's someone you might see in and around the bench in, in cup games Possibly when you when you rotate a little bit, but I wouldn't expect to see him making a breakthrough for Villa for Villa next season. Okay, I know that they're not they've they've all turned down the the five subs thing, but is there still going to be nine people on the bench? I've got to be honest, I don't know that. Don't know. So you might you might see him on the bench. Someone will let us know in the comments. I know they've voted against the five subs, but I can't remember if that you're still allowed to have have nine subs rather than seven. That would give him more chance of, get, of getting into the squad, but. I wouldn't think he's just going to come straight into straight into the first team, and that's it. I'd still think it would be a year or two away from from seeing him around the first team in the league, and always keen to see people go and, and get a loan and experience proper football, and that's something that really young players haven't done enough of over the years, and that's why no one has made it through since Jack Grealish. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree. You look at the kind of prodigal talents that come through at uh, that, that kind of raw age of sixteen, seventeen. You're talking Wayne Rooney, Michael Owen, um, <laughs> Theo Walcott. 
um, James Milner, to, to name just a few. And they're, they're few and far between, aren't they, these, these guys? Yeah. Um, and you have to be ready, I think. Like, you, you look at someone like Walcott, who maybe got too much too soon, potentially. He's still carved out a reasonable career, but I think he's, he's waning now. Um, but but it's, it takes its toll on the body, and you've got to make sure that these players are ready. And it's part of Villa's, it should be part of Villa's um, long-term strategy and also their, I mean, their role as a kind of, as a club to protect Barry and not rush him into anything um, which might affect his, his long-term um, ability to play. Yeah, I mean, I think, let's face it, Borja Baston was on the bench for the first half of lockdown. If Barry was anywhere near being ready, he'd have been on the bench. He'd have absolutely been on the bench at that point. Dean Smith would, you know, he likes to put faith in youngsters. I'd say someone like Jacob Ramsey's probably closer now. So I know they play different positions, but I'd say he's probably the closest to getting anywhere anywhere near the first team now because, he, again, he's gone and had a little bit of experience at Doncaster, I think it was, under Darren Moore last season. So Kessler's been on the bench as well. He's someone I, I like the look of. He's a right-back, a young right-back coming through. So I'd say they're probably further ahead, Kessler and uh, and Ramsey, to, to getting into the first team. But Barry's obviously a good player. You don't, Barcelona don't snap you up at a young age unless you're a very, very, very good talent. He's just got to keep his head screwed on and hopefully he'll get a loan, a loan move and then we'll see him in the next few years. But as I say, Borja Baston was on the bench for half of lockdown. Barry would have been there instead of him if he was ready. Yeah, yeah. One one player, down that a lot of people are talking about and Craig Ashington's mes- mentioned in the comments here. Are we going in for Todd Campwell? Uh, any thoughts on Campwell? I like him. I think he's a, I think he's a very good player. Bit similar to Jack in that he can play centrally or play play wide left. He was oddly left out the Norwich side a fair bit towards the end of the season, which I always felt was quite strange and maybe was a telltale sign that they were knowing he was going to move on because they couldn't hold on to him. But I've actually have done some research and I've spoke to uh, I've spoke to uh, one of the Reeves at, at Tort Norwich City, and he was saying to me that if if clubs offer around twenty million for for Campwell, Buendia, Aaron's, he thinks that those offers. Will, will, will get accepted. He thinks that Norwich will let players go for around that price, which again feels steep. But it, it is the going the going rate in the market now. You've, as we found out, it's very hard to buy a player for for ten million, eight million, twelve million, whatever nowadays. It's very difficult to get a player a class in for for that price. So he seems to think that they might they might be goers. But again, I'd be surprised. We've been linked with Buendia and, and Camp, Campwell over the last twenty four hours, linked with both of them in the same in the same piece that I saw. I think. There is interest in them, but I don't think it's concrete at the moment. But again, I'd be surprised to see both. I think it would be one or the other. And again, I think a lot rests on Jack. I really do. I think what Villa do in the market is dictated by what happens with Jack Grealish. And I think we'll know more about that in the next week or so. King81 says Buendia is the one uh, we should try for from Norwich. Uh, I, I really like both of those guys, Buendia and, uh, and Campwell. And I think 20 million is not too unfair a price to be honest I, I always feel yeah, like I would say that I feel like Norwich are one of these sides that are kind of forced to undersell because they're not the glamorous club and players won't stick around there you know even if they'd stayed in the Prem and these offers come in the players will hear about that and and, and want to move on because they're not necessarily tied to Norwich for, for you know I, that's not necessarily fair on the club it's, it's a good club but um, it's, it's just the way of the world sometimes but you know if, if if Grealish does move on, and we'll come on to him now, um, then then there'd be a lot worse options than Emi Buendia and Todd Cantwell. Yeah, and I think regardless of Jack, what happens with Jack, we do need a bit more attacking creativity 
in, in the side. I like Cantwell's work rate as well. For me, if I had to pick between the two, I know Bendaya is a good player, but I think I'd probably pick Cantwell. He, he just sits a bit better with me coming into the football club. But we need players regardless of Jack, but he is a big deal. What happens with him? If, if he goes, he is irreplaceable. But then you're running that risk of trying to get two, three people in to, re- to replace one player, which as we saw with Spurs when Bale went, that kind of thing never really ends well. So we, we obviously all want and, and need Jack to stay, but I, I think that will come clear in the, in the next few weeks. Before we, when it looked like we were going down, I was adamant that Jack was going to be going. I kind of feel a bit more now, like like he might stay, but it, it's 50-50, isn't, isn't it? I'd, I'd writ him off staying completely, and now I, I sit there and think, no, I, I can't write that off. There's every chance that, that he will stay, but I do think it, it's literally 50-50. The Manu Sancho thing, I think, will will play a part. I know they're different players that play in different positions, but the Sancho deal doesn't look like it's going to happen now, so they've suddenly got extra money to spend. I think Grealish is a, is a Man U player. I think he fits the profile of players that come into Man U that have done over the years when that they were good. I, I do feel like they're heading in the right direction. Again, now, if, I, if I'm being honest, but I, I want him to stay. I'm desperate for him to stay because he's completely irreplaceable for us. Yeah, I wouldn't put too much stock in in the fact that that Michael Zorka said the deal is is off the table now, and and obviously Jaden Sancho as well has has come out and said he's happy. Yeah, that's the one, isn't it? He yeah. said stuff. He he said stuff, but you know we've seen this happen before, and particularly with Manchester yes. United, I think there's there's always that conversation where all right, it's all done, it's all finished, not going to happen. And then a day or so later, you know they they they're signing Alexis Sanchez or they're signing you know. Uh, Angel Di, Di Maria. It always feels like it's dead in the water, and then and then the player comes. That kind of thing. So, I wouldn't. Yeah. Until, until we've uh, ticked over the the transfer window in October, which I really hope it's not dragging on till till then. If for, for Grealish or for Sancho come to that, then um, then it won't be dead. I don't think. And it also depends, Dan. You know, the season starts on the twelfth of September. If Manchester United have a terrible start, Ed Woodward's going to yeah. be looking over his shoulder and going, "All right, well, we can release." 80 million or 100 million. Let's go and get a couple of players that are going to change the course of this season. Well, Woodward doesn't strike me as the savviest operator. You look at some of the things that have happened over the years as well. He's a bit panicker. So he'll say he's not going to spend the money and then he'll get to the last day of the window and they'll end up spending 20 million more than he was quoted at the, the start of the window. It's that kind of thing that's happened with Manny. I'm sure a similar thing happened with, with Fellaini when they, when they got Fellaini and they, they didn't want to spend the money and then they ended up overspending on him because they left it till the last minute. They could have got Fernandez last summer and then they waited and ended up probably paying more in January and, and what I saw in him, by the way. Mm. Outgoings is a difficult because I imagine Man U in a normal transfer market because they're players that are at Man U, they'd be able to shift squad players and get, get good money. I don't see them being able to do that. Now I think that's going to be something that's more difficult for the bigger clubs to do. You know, just shift shift the players that are a part of the squad, not really doing anything. Like they could sell Rojo, for example, and probably get 20 million for him in a normal summer. This isn't a normal summer, and I'm not sure they can they can do that now. So I think money probably is a little bit tighter. But the main thing I think is that if they it gets to a certain point, even if it gets to the point of the season starting and Jack is kicking off the season as captain of Villa, if he kicks off that first game, I don't see him going because I don't think our owners will allow it. I think our owners will be strong, and I think that's a, a real key thing. I think a lot of clubs would just would just sit back and say, oh, "Okay, it's Manu, let's let him go." I really don't think our our owners will do that, and I don't think Jack's the type to kick up a fuss either. I know from things that have happened when the Spurs stuff was going through that that Jack could have behaved in all sorts of ways, and he and he chose not to out of respect respect for the club because obviously he loves the club, his family loves the club. So I think if we get to that first game and Jack's leading Villa out, I think we're in a good place, and I don't think he'll go.
So, like you say, time is running out in that respect. Yeah, you're right. It's not a normal summer for for that reason, and also the fact, like you said before, you know, these players are still on holiday. Jack Jack Grealish returned, I think, to the club yesterday, or or maybe even today. Um, like that, there's not that long negotiating period, and it's not a surprise, really, like you say, that it's been a slow start to the transfer window because players just haven't had that time to to process, you know, had to, had to take a break from football. Sometimes we, like as normal people, you and I, and, and the rest of the people watching here, you, you take two weeks off and you try and forget about work. So, you know, it's, it's not a total surprise to me that the Villa haven't announced a load of signings. And what frustrates me more is as soon as you go onto a Villa tweet that there's about 10 to 100 comments just saying, announce someone. That winds oh, me I hate that. I cannot think, stand that. It's so think, annoying. Do you think Dean Smith is in charge of Villa Twitter? Uh, do, do you think he's going to go, oh, yeah, you're right, Clive Bixby, ABFC. <laughs> Clive Bixby, Modern it's, Family. He's from Modern Family, yeah. I, I wondered if you get that reference. Excellent. Um, that was the first name that came into my head. I don't know if that's worrying or not. Um, but, yeah, Dean Smith isn't going to see your message that, uh, that that we should be signing someone. So just calm down a little bit. I'm glad you, I'm glad you had that as well, because I can't stand it, you Villa will just do a normal piece of news, like, oh, the foundation are doing this, and then you'll say, you'll see underneath, this isn't a Ben Rama announcement. Yeah. It's just it's not original anymore either, because everyone's doing it. Just take a, yeah. take a break, chill out. It's, people are on holidays. There's never, ever at this point going to have been loads of deals made by the club. Absolutely no chance. And the second, my second rant to the social media, if you don't know anything about a transfer, don't say you do. There's no point. The guy that got caught out by saying that he'd seen Ollie Watkins at the Belfry, had to come down very, very quickly. There's been there's there's a bunch of people pretending that they're in the know at this stage, and it's very annoying. If you know something and you want to tweet it, fine. But if you don't know anything, have a comment on someone. I don't care about that. But don't pretend like you're having lunch with, uh, with Ollie Watkins or something like that. To be fair, you can know something though, and things change, and it go wrong. I've had that, I've had that experience where I knew something was happening. It looked, it was a, it was like literally about to happen. Everyone will know what it is, and then it doesn't happen, and you end up looking silly. So even when you know something, you can end up looking like an idiot. So it's a, it's a very, very dangerous game. I'm very careful since, since that day. Yeah, I would, I'd, I'd say that's fine. But when you know damn well that you're lying about something oh, yeah you're pretending to know something uh and then it's clearly not true and you're found out there's nothing worse than that um all right then let's uh let's finish on this question it's kind of a, an amalgamation of questions for you dan you are aston villa ceo and you have to show jack Grealish your transfer plan to keep him to stay does and this is where the second question from somebody else came in. I've already lost it, so sorry for that. Is it looking at looking at Brentford players, looking at relegated Premier League players? Is that small time? Is that going to be enough for someone like Jack Grealish to to be convinced to stay, or should we be looking into Europe's top flights to 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 convince our captain that that he should be the one um, that that leads us up the table? I think we'll do some serious business. So, I don't know. I did. I sent it to you last night, so I know you saw it. Jack was obviously with Tammy yesterday, and he tweets like being a secret agent. Mm. Like, personally, I think Tammy will, will stay at Chelsea. But you've got to at least been trying to trying to make a move for those kind of players, the kind of players that would appease Jack. I think the club do lean on Jack and source his opinion on quite a lot of, of playing issues and transfer issues. To be fair, so the club do speak to him readily about stuff. He's a massive, massive influence at Aston Villa, Jack. And to be fair, if he goes elsewhere, he won't get that. 
he won't get as much. I think he gets a fairly big sigh at Villa from, from what I understand. So they'll come to him and, and garner his opinion. If Jack does stay, Villa stand a chance of getting Tammy, I would say. But if he goes, absolutely zero chance we manage to get someone like Tammy Abraham through the door. It just won't happen. But I think you've got to at least show some ambition. I don't I don't know whether we necessarily did that last summer or maybe we, we lost Jack mentally for a little bit because we did we didn't sign that the players that he the, he needs good players around him. He can't do it all on his own. There is some good players at the club, but there's been some games where you watch us and you think the poor lad's got absolutely no chance because we look absolutely terrible there. What's what's he supposed to do? He'll want to be playing with the best players because he'll want to get in the England squad England squad and he'll do he'll do that by being in a in a good team. I don't know what it's difficult because it's not easy to buy players. This is the other thing about social media. People make out like it's so easy to make a transaction. There's yeah, there's so many different things that, that, that can happen. I know a story, I and mean, this is Carlos Sanchez, someone who wasn't even that good. I know I've heard a story from when we were signing Carlos Sanchez. And there's like fifteen to twenty family members involved in the neg- negotiations, all asking for different things. Like transfers are mad now. They're it's, not like they are in Football Manager. That is not how it works. So it's so hard to make a big deal. But we've got to at least show that we're making ambition, that we're making ambitious moves. I think if we show that we're trying to make the right moves, there's not much else you can do, really, is there? There's a couple of good examples, I think, in the first... I know it's the second um, Sunderland Till I Die, um, the transfer of Daniel James um to Leeds that's a good example of how things can fall apart and then the other one if you can still dig it out I think it was joe.co.uk who went um with Chris Wilder and they showed a a day in the life of 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 transfer day as a coach and that that really does show you how things are the, the rug is pulled out from from players and managers and, and agents even sometimes feet. Um, it's it's a difficult business and it's it's not just like clicking your fingers, like you say, like football manager and going, yep, yeah, I'll, I'll put my maximum transfer kitty up and, and it's all done. It's, it just yeah. doesn't work like that. All right. Let's There's massive variables, massive variables nowadays. Uh, Mega Barnes, 1981. My dad's having lunch with Neymar, so expect to see him in a Villa shirt. Next season, I mean, he could have been in a Villa shirt if he'd missed many more chances last night. But uh, he did play well, to be fair. His position was wayward, but he was unplayable with the ball. Yeah, and I mean, he led to the equaliser as well. So uh, fair play, fair play to him. All right, um, Dan, thank you very much. We will be back, I think, with another transfer talk at some point. Maybe when there's a transfer to talk about. Yeah, listen. That's how the show does as well. If no one's watched it, we're going to do another one. <laughs> There's been a few comments. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back uh, at some point. I think I think uh, we had a bit of a team meeting the other day, and I think we're, we're going to bring a few things back for next season. So I think we can kind of soft launch that that the Villa View is, is here to stay for a little bit longer. Um, again, I mean, if you really don't want us, you can let us know in the comments. But um, but but we'll be here to entertain ourselves at the very least. So thank you very much for joining us on this transfer talk. We hope that, that Villa will be able to bring in a couple of signings as players return from holiday. Uh, keep the faith. Uh, keep the keep the Villa faith. Uh, and uh, you know, let's let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what happens. Uh, I'm sure all of the guys have got it under control. So until next time, up the Villa. Yeah. Some any cap sponsors want to sponsor us as well. Sports Social Podcast Network.